الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما امروا الا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم انما الاعمال بالنيات صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters <coughs> over the past few weeks we have been discussing the subject of ikhlas and though the intention was to now move on to something else but again there are things that come to mind that we should discuss and the object again is the same thing that was mentioned last week <coughs> that we are far away from the reality of ikhlas and we need to be constantly revising refreshing this lesson talking about the people who have passed on or who are present also and who are blessed with this great wealth of ikhlas and by this we may gain some inspiration we may be motivated to try and acquire this great wealth this very foundational aspect upon which every building is built every building of deen every building of the work of deen and every other aspect of life so today also inshallah we will in the short time we have try to discuss something with regard to the sincerity with regard to acquiring this wealth of ikhlas as we mentioned last week also that ikhlas is something that is a lifelong effort we have to continue to try and acquire this and there is no point where a person can make any claim for himself that i have now gained this i have got this great wealth of ikhlas now i am a mukhlis i am very very sincere in everything that i do when a person starts making such claims then that itself is an acknowledgement it's an announcement that the person is very very far away from ikhlas in fact great personalities one personality who had come to south africa many times hazrat maulana said khan sahab rahmatullah alay on one occasion and he was a very great buzurg of his time and person who had done tremendous service of deen so one day somebody asked him this question that how does one acquire ikhlas so the question was straightforward it was quite clear the answer is also quite clear there are various things that a person needs to adopt and the effort the kind of effort that needs to be made but he kept quiet for a short while and then after pondering for a short while he replied to the person that you rather ask this question to somebody who has acquired this ikhlas they may be able to tell you about it now outwardly 
It's a straightforward thing. It's there in the kitabs. The Akabir have written about it. What a person should try and do. What are the procedures he, he should adopt. So somebody might say that this was actually depriving a person of that knowledge. He was a great alim. He surely knew that. But the thing is, when somebody is truly mukhlis, when somebody is truly sincere, the fear of Allah Ta'ala also overwhelms them. And when they are truly sincere, then such a person genuinely feels from within himself that I am totally devoid of this ikhlas. I still haven't gone anywhere. The person, forget making any claims, truly feels from within himself that I have gone nowhere. When this question was asked to him, at that time, it is more than likely that his mind got consumed, that what ikhlas do I have? And he felt within himself that I have not attained anything in this regard. So what kind of answer I am going to, how am I going to motivate this person? How am I going to try and inspire this person when I myself don't have anything, what I am going to give him? What is the theory? The theory anybody can give, but this person wants to move ahead. He wants to be inspired. He wants to be motivated. He wants to be led onto the path. So if I don't have it in my life, what am I going to lead him along? Now, whereas he had this, alhamdulillah, the signs speak for it, that Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with tremendous ikhlas. And this too was a sign of his ikhlas. But what was his immediate, his, his answer after pondering for a while, that you rather ask somebody who has this ikhlas. Now this is the aspect of this sincerity. That the more a person progresses in it, the more a person feels I have nothing about it. And great personalities, they really strove to acquire this. And they made great sacrifices to acquire it. But then all the other qualities also then, Allah Ta'ala blessed them with it as a result of the ikhlas that they acquired after that mujahada, after that struggle. And they picked up this lesson from wherever they could find it. They picked up this inspiration from wherever they could find it. Hazrat Junaid Baghdadi, rahmatullahi he says that I learned ikhlas from one Baba. Now imagine a Baba, especially in those days, even now, now there's very fancy names, they call them hairdressers and whatever else. Otherwise a barber was a barber, he just cut hair and he was regarded as a very, very simple person, not a person who had any position in society, in India and so on, when they want to abuse somebody or sort of uh, just run somebody down, they say somebody is to somebody, Hajjam Kahika, Hajjam, you're a barber, a kind of in a derogatory way. So there was a hajjam. Junaid Baghdadi, such a great buzurg of his time, he's saying, I learned ikhlas from a baba. So, how did he learn this ikhlas from the baba? What he, is explain, he explains the incident and he says that one day in Makkah Mukarrama, one baba was busy giving a person a haircut or the
<coughs> Any case, the lesson that he was giving is that this Baba was in Makkah Mukarramah and he was giving a haircut to one person, pious person, elderly person. And as Junaid Baghdadi says, at that time, I came and I said to the Baba that for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, will you give me a haircut? In other words, he had nothing. He had no money. And he just said that in the name of Allah Ta'ala, will you give me a haircut? For the sake of Allah Ta'ala alone. I don't have anything to pay you. So he said, when I mentioned this, then tears filled up in the eyes of this Baba. And he had not yet completed the giving the haircut to this person, to this old person, pious person that was sitting there already. But he said to him with tears in his eyes that would you excuse me for a short while and just empty the space because this person has taken the name of Allah Ta'ala. And in the name of Allah Ta'ala he has asked me to give him a haircut. So now I am obligated, in other words, it doesn't behove me now that uh, I continue with anything else, I should now attend to this person immediately. So this was the condition that overcame him, merely upon taking the name of Allah Ta'ala in front of him, that please give me a haircut in the name of Allah Ta'ala. That he didn't even want to delay that for one moment. He says that he made me sit down immediately, and then he gave me the, he shaved my hair off, he gave me a haircut, he might have just maybe completed Umrah or something, so he shaved my head off, and thereafter, he then gave me some, a little small piece of something, a bag, a small bag, in which there was some change. The Baba gave me, and he said, that you can go and use this also, for your needs. So, Hazrat Junaid Baghdadi says that when I saw this entire situation, this episode, here I asked this person for a haircut in the name of Allah Ta'ala. He didn't want to delay one but This can only be as a result of that extreme ikhlas in his heart. Immediately attended to me. And on top of that, he gave me something to go and spend on my needs. What else can this be besides the person's ikhlas? Now, where he took that lesson from? from the action of one Baba. One Baba changed his entire direction. So this is the lessons that people took in terms of ikhlas from wherever they could take it. And when this ikhlas comes, then the ikhlas drives a person. And the ikhlas brings the various qualities in a person's life. Then the person gets that himmat, that courage to do what is necessary because ikhlas is that driving force behind him. One person came to him who was like a community leader, Chaudhrys as you call them in India. Rural people, they have this kind of tribal system there and the person is a Chaudhry, he is a community leader, so everybody respects him. Now these people, many of them, number one, they are living in the rural area, they don't have much etiquette, much culture in them. And then on top of that, because they have some position, then they are often very oppressive also. They usurp people's rights. So this person came to Hazrat Tanvi for his Islam. 
So Tanvir Alhamdulillah told him, look, if you want to make your islah, then you'll have to really now... Uh, this person came to Tanvir Alhamdulillah and he said to him that he requested some wazaif, some tasbihat, that I want to recite some tasbihat, some zikr, wazaif. So Tanvir Alhamdulillah said to him that, look, all this wazaif in its place, but till you don't make your islah, this is not going to be really benefiting you. You first need to sort your life out. So this person in his simpleton way, Bedouin or, or rural person, he said, what is Islam now? I read my namaz and I don't drink. So what are the Islam? Now he, this was the whole thing, was restricted to these two things. That I perform my salah and I don't uh, drink. So what are the Islam now should I make? So Thamil Ahmadullah asked him that, did you take anybody's wealth wrongfully? So he said, yes, I did that. Because these people, they weren't too concerned. You serve somebody's thing, take somebody's thing, they felt everything belongs to them. So he said, well, if you have been taking things wrongfully from people which don't belong to you without their permission, now you go and pay back each person. So he said, but I don't have any wealth left. Whatever all the, I was a wealthy person, everything is lost now. He said, well, you go and find some ways to pay them. Or you go and get them to forgive you. Until they don't forgive you, I will not make you bayat. I will not be able to tell you anything also. Now this person came, but he came with ikhlas. And we are saying ikhlas is a driving force. Ikhlas makes the person do the right thing. When a person is truly sincere, the person is not interested in what somebody will say and I need to make a name for myself. I need to come out in some in the limelight. In every field, these kind of things happen. Somebody, for example, is working in a certain department. So now the person wants to be in the limelight. So now as a result, in order to get that attention, to get that recognition, the person will sometimes do things which are incorrect. The person will do things which are sometimes totally impermissible. Why? Because I must be in the limelight. This is when there is ikhlas missing in a person's life. The person wants to be in the limelight. Oh, for example, since now we are addressing students, so something that might be applicable on a general note, that this unfortunately happens sometimes in, whether in schools or whether even in learning deen, now the person wants to be in the limelight. I must get a certain position. I must come out in a certain position, etc. So now if I can't get it done with my own effort, then the person sometimes wants to do it in the wrong way, maybe try to get some answers from somebody or try to take along some paper. Now this is incorrect completely. Sometimes people don't reflect on it, that this is incorrect. And they err in this regard. We have to obviously refrain from this completely. If sometime in the past, previous years, whenever, if we've made such an error, such a mistake, then we sincerely repent. We make toba. we ask Allah for forgiveness. This is totally incorrect to do such a thing. So, now, what is the motivating factor in these things to be in the limelight? To the extent that a person will develop ikhlas, the person will be totally free from these things. That it doesn't matter to me what somebody thinks, what somebody says, I need to make Allah Ta'ala happy. Allah Ta'ala must be happy with me. And if Allah Ta'ala is happy, 
then I am happy. So this is the bottom line. This is the thing that will drive a person. Allah Ta'ala must be happy. So as we mentioned, this incident, Hazrat Tanvi Rahmatullah this person came. So he had come with ikhlas. Now ikhlas is a driving force. So Tanvi Rahmatullah told him, you go and you sort your matters out. And you come back with each person having signed. First you, he, you sit down and make this list. Who you harmed, whose things you took, what you took. Each person's name, you think about it. So he made the whole list. He said, now you go. And you get each person's forgiveness. Let them sign also here that they have forgiven you. Now this person went. Can, can you imagine how many people, where not, where to go and find them, what difficulty. And he is regarded as a community leader. Now he must go and ask people for maaf and tell them, you know what, I took your things. So number one, he will have to now tell them that I was a person responsible. That is such an embarrassment also. But now without that, this matter is not going to get sorted out. Either you pay them or you get their forgiveness. Otherwise the akhirat is a very severe thing. You have to sort it out in this world. And that is islah now. So this person came with ikhlas. What does ikhlas do? Ikhlas generates himmat. Ikhlas generates courage. When a person has genuine sincerity, the person is courageous. So he went. He didn't bother about now. This courage is what makes a person forget about that embarrassment. He is only interested in doing what is right now. The embarrassment is all forgotten. When a person doesn't have this courage, then that embarrassment is overwhelming. And as a result of that embarrassment is overwhelming, the person wants to do the wrong thing to try and avoid the embarrassment. So I can't now sub, uh, submit to anybody. I cannot humble myself to anyone. I cannot take advice from anyone. I cannot try to rectify the wrong. Because if I rectify the wrong, then maybe I'll feel embarrassed. As a result of the embarrassment, I'd rather just stay on the wrong. Now, all this stems from, the bottom line is the lack of ikhlas. The lack of ikhlas, then the lack of courage to do the right thing. So here this person set out. Now he went. He met one one person who he had wronged, who he had harmed. Somebody's things he had taken. And he gained each person's forgiveness, made them write down something. That they have forgiven him and they signed it thereafter. One Hindu, a Hindu, the Banya, in India especially, they are regarded as somebody who will not forgive one thing, especially money. This person had taken away some 500 rupees of a Hindu, wrongfully. So he went and he told this person, look, this is my position, I have taken it, I was responsible for this. Now 500 rupees in that time was a big amount of money. And the Banya is somebody regarded as somebody who will not forgive it, he will not let go one cent. But this Hindu got so impressed with this, that this person came on his own accord to confess and to ask for my forgiveness. He wrote there, as the Tanri Rahmatullahi writes, he wrote there, Hisbatan Lillah, which is something a Muslim writes, but this Hindu wrote it, that for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and with hope in His reward, I am forgiving you. And he signed it. Every person this person went to, he forgave him and he signed it. Now this is another lesson we learn here. Shaitan puts various thoughts in our mind when a person wants to do the right thing. Shaitan tries to obstruct that right action of the person in different ways. Shaitan puts some very uh, any frightening thoughts in a person's mind that 
No, you're going to go now and you're going to go and talk to this person and tell him that you were responsible and this person is going to come to know that you were the one who caused all this taklif to him. He is going to take you to town and he is going to really make a mockery of you and this will happen and that will happen. So as a result, shaitan frightens the person to such a point that the person then says that I rather leave it, don't do it. I rather just remain on the wrong nausbillah. So this is something that shaitan does. A shaitan yaidukumul fakra wa yamurukum bil fahsha. See shaitan's job to frighten a person away from the good things. But when a person takes the himmat for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, person is doing something to please Allah Ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala opens the way out. Allah Ta'ala makes it easy for the person. Allah Ta'ala puts respect in the hearts of others for the person. There might be some little challenges that may come, some little tests may come. But provided the person is genuine, the person is sincere, is doing it for Allah Ta'ala alone, Allah Ta'ala will move the person through those challenges and make him come out on the other end. And when he comes out on the other end of those challenges without having been harmed, without, or he'll come out victorious, Allah Ta'ala will bring him out in a condition that others also, Allah Ta'ala would have put respect in their hearts for him, and Allah Ta'ala would remove the problem. So here this person was genuine, he was sincere, he took the task of going, finding one one person, asking them for forgiveness, not concerning himself with the embarrassment, etc. As a result, he came back after a while with this entire list, every person being met and all signed. Now as Tanwi Rahmatullah looked at that list, he told him, look, this is either your karamat, or my karamat, or a bit of both. That all these people forgave you, even that Hindu forgave you. This is your karamat. Any case, he then said to him, because he was still testing how genuine this person is. He said to him that, look, you brought this list all signed up, but what do I know that this is all genuine? That the people who signed are really the people who you had harmed in some way. You could have gone to just anybody to sign it, what do I know? He was testing him. He said, what you do is, you go and buy envelopes, as we call them nowadays, self-addressed and self-stamped envelopes, stamped envelopes. You go and buy those stamped envelopes and you bring it here. I will then put a letter in each one to say that these people have, uh, this person has come to you, he has asked you for forgiveness, you have forgiven. If this is correct, then you please reply. So I will send this self-addressed envelope in it as well. So they will put their reply in it and they will, the stamped envelope, they will then reply to me, then I know that it's genuine. So you first go and bring those envelopes and come. So this person now could have retaliated or, or retorted there to say that now I've done all this. I went all over the place. I went and got all the signatures, what you asked for. Now you want something else? Now you want me to do this? I'd rather just go somewhere else, man. I'm going on to all this difficulty and I'm listening to whatever he's being told to me. And on top of that now, I'm still being given the run around. But he was genuine. He was sincere. When the person is sincere, the person doesn't get upset with these kind of things. When a person is sincere, the person doesn't get upset with these kind of things that take a person towards the direction of Islah. That take a person towards getting the closeness of Allah Ta'ala. Then the person takes it in his stride. He would feel some difficulty from within. There would be some maybe... A negative thought at that time that now I have to go through all this again 
But when a person is sincere, the person looks at the destination. What is my goal? What is my objective? Where am I headed to? Why am I doing this? Am I studying deen for Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala? I want to get the nearness of Allah ta'ala. So what is going to take me closer to Allah ta'ala? I must do that. How will I get closer to Allah ta'ala by means of studying deen? Then all the etiquettes of it will come in. Now what, what, what will motivate this? I'm doing it for Allah ta'ala. I'm not doing it for any other reason. I'm doing it for Allah ta'ala. And what will get me that objective is that I fulfill all the etiquettes. So for example, the etiquettes include that the total respect for my teachers, for the madrasa, for the people that are assisting in whichever way, so that I could be engaged in the learning of deen. It could be merely, uh, it could be somebody doing just merely the cleaning. But that person also is assisting me in doing what I have come to do. Requiring the knowledge of deen. If nobody cleans the place daily, after one week, after one month, it will become difficult to even sit there and learn. So somebody is doing the cleaning. So that person too is deserving of my respect because that person is assisting me in doing, in, in acquiring the knowledge of deen which will take me closer to Allah Ta'ala. Now because the destination is to get to Allah Ta'ala, to get to the love of Allah Ta'ala. And what is this? This is ikhlas. That is a destination. This is ikhlas. Now that ikhlas will make a person have etiquette in one life, one's life. As we spoke about, ikhlas will bring himmat, will bring courage. So ikhlas will bring adab. Because the person knows now, I have this as my goal. And in order to reach that destination, this is the road. So I've got to walk on this road of the adab, of the etiquettes. I need to be uh, very, um, be a, be a well-wisher for everybody, for my fellow students. I don't create any difficulty for anybody. I have an open heart. I don't harbor any ill feeling for anyone. Now all this is part of the requirements, the etiquettes. Now, a person who has ikhlas, this ikhlas will motivate this. The ikhlas will motivate the correct sifat will motivate the correct qualities in a person. Then that ikhlas will make a person do what is correct all the time. Because if I do something incorrect, I am doing something which is unjust. I am causing taklif to somebody. I am harming someone in, something, in some way. Now that is a act, an act of injustice. That act of injustice will become an obstacle in my path to reach Allah Ta'ala. I haven't come here to learn deen for the sake of some name, some fame, some marks, some report. No, no, all that will carry on, but that's not my objective. I have come for a very superior purpose. To gain the love of Allah Taala and lead my life in such a way that Allah Ta'ala becomes pleased with me. So now what I say, the ikhlas will dictate it. So this is that ikhlas. So Hazrat told this person, you go, you bring those envelopes and come. So he went, without any question. When there's ikhlas, then a person is not upset by these things. He went and brought it and came. But as soon as he brought it and presented those envelopes, Sultanabi said, Bas enough. Now I know everything is above board, everything is genuine. And then he said to him, Now what you do is, you sell me these envelopes, or I can give you the money for it, so that you are not 
at a disadvantage in any way that you bought all these envelopes and you got no use for it now. Now look at this also. That he asked him to do it for his own benefit, for the person's benefit. But at the same time, now he says, now you sell it to me, I will pay you for it, so that your money is not now wasted in any way. That person also said, no, this was the class again that was speaking. He said, no, 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 I have a need for it, I will use it, I paid for it, and I will use it. And I will sell it to somebody if I need to sell it also. Not a problem. But this ikhlas brought him to this point when now he became accepted in the path of suluk and what taraqi and what progress he might have made thereafter. But that ikhlas was there. That was what gave that courage. That was what gave that himmat. So ikhlas is the thing that will assist at every step. If a person has ikhlas, then that person will have tawazu as we discussed previously. A mukhlis will be humble also. A mukhlis will be a well-wisher of others. A person who has genuine ikhlas in his heart, it is not possible that the person also has ill feelings for others. The person has dirt in the heart for others. Cannot happen. When there is genuine ikhlas, deep down there is ikhlas, then the person can't have ill feelings. The person can get hurt. That's a different thing. The person can get hurt. We are human. If somebody has sworn at us, we're going to feel something. We are human. We're not made of iron and stone. So to get hurt is a different thing. That is human nature. That is why in Shariat, a person has been given three days to cool off. If something happened, now he doesn't want to talk to the person. So he's been given three days to cool off. Because he's human, he's made of, he has emotions within him. But after three days, there's no ijazat, there's no permission now to break off ties. Now, ikhlas is what will move a person forward now. That fine, three days have passed, now forget about it. Okay, maybe I don't want to get hurt again, so I don't want to associate too much with the person. But cutting off ties, that is not on anymore. I will make salam, I will inquire, how are you, everything's fine. I'll carry on my way and carry on with my work. But I will not continue breaking ties. What will motivate this? This will be motivated by ikhlas. When there's ikhlas, then this will come. And as we discussed a few lessons ago, ikhlas is the root. Ikhlas is underground. And to the extent that that root will be healthy, that root will be full of nourishment, it will nourish the tree. Then the branches will come. Then the flowers will come. The fruit will come. Everybody will benefit from it. But if the ikhlas is missing, then everybody is going to taste the bitter thorns. Everybody is going to taste the thorns. And we will still appease ourselves in some way or the other. So we need to develop this. We need to make an effort to develop this wealth of ikhlas. One of the ways of developing it is that we keep talking about it, keep listening to it. This is the reason why we are discussing it. In the hope, out of His grace, only Allah Ta'ala may grant me and all of us this wealth of ikhlas, some iota, some drop of it, that with the barakat of that we may move forward somewhere and we may gain the raza and the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So this is one of the things that we have to constantly be doing, repeatedly discussing this lesson of ikhlas, reading about the lives of the mukhlisin trying to emulate their lives, trying to be walking in their footsteps, see how they reacted to situations. 
what kind of himmat they had, where it came from. It came from that ikhlas. So now I also have to develop that himmat where it come from, it come from ikhlas. So I need the ikhlas. That truthfulness, that honesty, where it came from, it came from ikhlas. To the extent of ikhlas, a person will have sidq. Because he doesn't want to affect his relationship with Allah Ta'ala in any way. And when a person is going to be missing with that ikhlas, then the relationship with Allah Ta'ala will get affected. So now he wants to, he's totally sincere. He wants to please Allah Ta'ala and everything. Now, if that sidq is missing, that truthfulness is missing, this relationship with Allah Ta'ala will get affected. So now this mukhlis will be a sadiq also. He will be somebody truthful. This mukhlis will be somebody who is humble also. This mukhlis will be somebody who has all the other sifat. This ikhlas will generate it. This ikhlas will motivate it. He will not want to harm anybody. If he has made a mistake, he will want to gain forgiveness of the person quickly. We are all human. We can err. Sometimes by mistake we will say something out of turn. We might have done something which was incorrect, which hurt somebody. But a mukhlis will not hesitate in, gaining, in asking for forgiveness. So, this is the aspect of ikhlas that we have to be constantly trying to bring in our lives. May Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala give me the tawfiq, give all of us a tawfiq to acquire this wealth of ikhlas. May Allah ta'ala make us among the mukhlisin, among the kamilin and grant us his raza and pleasure and take us on kamil iman and rise us on the day of qiyamah with the kamilin, with the anbiya, with the siddiqeen, with the shuhada and the salihin. Wa akhiru da'wana anil alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. For a few minutes we'll make some zikr and then make dua. Silently you will follow. And with this in mind that what we are reciting, when we say La ilaha illallah, then everything, all the ghayrullah, everything that is besides Allah Ta'ala, all this has been removed from our hearts, all the filth, all the dirt, all the evil, whatever haram we have looked at, whatever haram we have listened to, whatever haram thoughts that pass through our minds, we are taking everything and throwing it out, we are casting it all aside. And illallah, there is this noor of light, this pillar of light that is coming down into our hearts, which is the love of Allah Taala, and it is illuminating and brightening our hearts. This is the love of Allah Taala that is coming in. With this uh, thought in mind, we will follow silently. La ilaha illallah. محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 لا إله إلا 